The views and opinions reflected in any of the stories narrated are solely those of the story contributor and are not necessarily that of the Nightmare Society. This podcast features adult content, so listener discretion is highly advised. And if you or anyone you know is struggling, help is available. Please see the resources in the show notes. Hello everyone, this episode is brought to you by every fiber of my being. My whole family's been homesick this week, and if you can't tell, my voice is a little off. I didn't have one yesterday, so um, please forgive, but regardless, here we are. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. This took place in Belgium in 2020 during the COVID confinements. I was 20 years old back then. At the time, because of the severity of the pandemic in Belgium, the law stated that you could only go out to practice sports or to work. So I took the habit of meeting with a friend, Sully, to go out for runs and practice all kinds of sports in general. Both of us were quite fond of urban exploration, and we knew a spot in the outskirts of Brussels consisting of an old sports and wellness center where we took the habit of hanging out after runs. To get to the spot, you must go through a hole in a fence on the street, cross a small portion of woods, and you'll come up on the football pitch and tennis courts, and up on the hill is the center, which is an old four-story building. The whole center takes up a whole street block. On that day, we had just finished a five-kilometer run and went to our spot as usual, We were there walking around the building since it was about to rain when we saw two teenagers sitting on the roof edge and I remember thinking that it bothered me since we were planning on going up to the roof as well. So we went into the hall area to wait for a bit in hopes that they would leave. In the hall area you have a clear view into the kitchen which you must go through if you want to go to the roof. You can also see into another smaller hall and into the dining room. Sully was rolling himself a cigarette while I was gathering two chairs and an office table for us to sit. This next part gives me the chills to this day. As I finished setting everything up, I remember starting to feel unwell. Like I was being watched, and not in a good way. That's when I looked at the kitchen and saw, for a brief moment, a head sticking out of the doorframe and staring at us. It was a man. I couldn't say what age it was since he was all dirty. But the one thing I remember is that he had an exaggerated happy expression on his face. Like he had just found exactly what he was looking for. At that moment I just froze and was unable to react bravely in the situation. I leaned slowly towards Sully, all while keeping eye contact with the man, and told him very calmly that we had to go immediately. I tend to make lots of jokes to all my friends and especially to Sully, but when he saw the look I had on my face when I told him that we had to leave, He didn't say a word, just took his backpack and stood up. We ran to the football pitch and saw that the two teenagers were still on the roof. So we started to yell at them, asking if the man was with them or if they saw him, but they answered that no, they hadn't seen anyone and had come by themselves. So if someone was there, he was not with them. 
We told them it was probably better for them to leave as well since we didn't know what the man in the lobby was up to. They told us they would be fine and they would leave a bit after. We decided to leave since we had already told them what we saw and we also had already been out for very long so it wasn't legal with confinement rules. As we were walking towards the woods, I turned back. I could swear I saw a silhouette standing in the front of the staircase leading to the roof, but my mind didn't quite react. I just left alongside with my friend. I was so shocked because nothing like it had ever happened to me before that I just decided not to talk about it to anyone in the fear of them not believing me or possibly making fun of me. My friend Sully is the only one who was there. He didn't see the man, but he was just as scared as me by seeing my own reaction at the time. I don't know what happened to these teenagers. I found local articles and papers dating from that time about teenagers being chased by a man in an abandoned building, but the information given wasn't enough for me to be sure it was the same people in the same story and location. since this happened. I sleep with a gun next to my bed now, the lights on, and I cannot be home alone. He is what happened to me on May 23rd, 2017. In my neighborhood, we had a few burglaries. I work from home, and I'm usually home alone with my son. We live near a busy mall in our neighborhood, even though in a pretty good area, is close to highways, and has three ungated entrances. So it makes it easy for people to break in, steal and get out before police come. I scare pretty easily so hearing an alarm going off nearby, seeing the police helicopter circle above and having the neighborhood swarming with cop cars always freaks me out. We had a spree of guys going into unlocked cars and stealing stuff. I mention this because there were 25 cars that they were able to get into. Our area is the kind where you can leave your door open and usually nothing happens. At this point, it's just been petty theft. Nothing major had been stolen, and no one had been hurt. So for the next few months, everyone is mad. We all feel really violated by what's been happening. Homeowners meetings are packed, and everyone wants to put a stop to crime going on in our neighborhood. It's soon revealed a rental property in the hood was the home to a drug dealer who was dealing more than just weed. He was selling hardcore stuff, and it was thought that a lot of the crime stemmed from that house. They had undercover cop cars throughout the neighborhood waiting to make a bust. Up until this point, it was pretty scary, but from a faraway viewpoint. Also at this point, no one was getting hurt, at least not physically. Our neighborhood watch sent information to make sure alarms were on, windows and doors are locked, and if a car is in the driveway, more than likely burglars will skip your home. Just lock your car doors. Since I work from home, my car is always in the driveway. One afternoon in April, my son and I were on a walk. It was a nice day and about two blocks from our house, the cop cars came rushing in. I was told to get back in my house as soon as possible. An officer actually escorts us to our door and lets me know to lock all my doors. There are three armed assailants on the run between my street and the next. They broke into two houses. In one, a woman was home alone and the three men assaulted her tied her up and just left her. They broke into a second home 
and they pistol whipped a man that was home. The next week a woman was nearly kidnapped on a 6am run on my street. The fear was real at this point. Going out alone during the day or night wasn't happening. None of these criminals were caught. But then things died down. Usually every couple of days there was a break in. There was nothing after this in early April. In late May I had to take my car into the dealership for some work. I was left without a car for two days. To keep my son busy we would go on long walks to the mall with two other moms and kids in the morning and then go swimming in our pool in the afternoon. A lot of the stay-at-homes grouped together because of the fear of the recent things going on. This day it was actually pretty nice out, so I had all of our sliding glass doors open and I was letting the house air out. While I was bathing my son I got a funny feeling so I rushed and locked all the doors and blinds as quickly as possible. Even though it's in our backyard I didn't feel safe leaving them open with me down the hall in the bathroom. Just as I was walking away from the last door, I see two large men entering my backyard on our security camera in the kitchen. We have three stations in our house where you can see the feed from the cameras inside and outside. We have one in our bedroom, one in the office, and one in the kitchen. My husband does security systems, so he set us up with the most elaborate and expensive unit. We have two padlocks on the gate, so I was pretty freaked out that they were able to get in. These men are big guys, at least 6 feet and around 220 pounds, give or take. I'm 5 foot 3 and 140 pounds. I'm not a tiny girl, but I would be no match for these guys. The guys are trying to look through the window, so I edge back into the bathroom and realize that I left my cell phone outside by the pool, so I cannot call anyone or get any attention from the outside of my house. All I have is my work phone in the office that needs to be booted up to be used. I was on vacation for the week, so the system was shut down for the entire time. I grab my son, his diaper bag, and we make our way into my office. The room is pretty soundproof. You have to be screaming for it to be heard outside. It has access to the security cameras, and where you can actually hear audio from the cameras. And it has a heavy-duty lock on the door. My husband set it up after the woman was assaulted. That way, we would have a panic room if we ever needed it. It's hidden in our garage, and unless you turn on all the lights in the garage, then you have to walk around this tool bench and a high shelf. If you're not looking, you may not even realize there's another room there. My son thankfully falls asleep on the rug in the room, as I'm freaking out watching these guys as they use a little hammer to break the sliding glass door to enter my bedroom. I am getting the computer started up to call the police. Once they're inside, I am only able to see the living room, kitchen, and my son's room. They are going into all five bedrooms of my house, rummaging through closets and drawers. The larger of the two men walks into the living room, he has my cell phone in his hand, and he literally looks at the camera in the living room and waves with my phone in his hand. He then opens his bag, pulls out a knife or open duct tape. He then says, Hey, pretty mommy, where you hiding? I realize these guys are not here to steal stuff. I finally am able to call the police. They tell me to stay in the secured room. Turn out the lights, stay on the line, and be as quiet as possible. These guys are tearing my house apart, and they're calling my name looking for me. They even start calling my son's name. This part freaks me out. How the hell did they know our names? One of these jerks actually started eating the chicken I baked for dinner. They're rummaging through the laundry room, and one of them grabs a pair of dirty underwear and inhales deeply. It's the most disgusting thing I ever have witnessed, and I was praying they didn't find us. 
They make their way into the garage and they are looking around. I can only see a little from the kitchen camera. I'm praying they don't turn on the lights to see the entrance to the office in the corner of the garage. I am whispering into the phone, keeping the dispatcher up to date on what I'm seeing on our security feed. She tells me the cops are four minutes out. These jerks are rummaging through the garage. I hear them playing with my husband's power tools. My son wakes up and surprisingly does not start crying. He quietly looks at me sucking his thumb. I know what these jerks have in mind for me, but I am so scared to think what they're going to do to my son. That single thought brings me to tears even as I recount the situation to tell it. I bring my son into the closet of the room with a flashlight, a bottle, and a blanket, and I mouth for him to be quiet, and I shut the door. The dispatcher tells me the cops are three minutes out. Her name is Janice. I beg her to tell them to hurry up. She tells me to keep calm and that she's there with me. She recommends that I get in the closet as well. I don't because I don't want them to think about my son if they break through the door. Then the guys start pounding on the office door. These guys are pulling at the door and it sounds like they're throwing their weight into the door. I hear my husband's power saw. At this time, the bigger guy screams, We know you and the baby are in there. We're here to mess you up. You should have just come out when we came in. I'm literally shaking and praying the door and a lock holds up. I move a dresser in front of the door. No idea why I did that, but it's what they do in the movies. I then push the futon in the room against the dresser, just praying the weight on the door would keep them out. I tell the dispatcher what's going on and she tells me the cops are breaking through my front picture window. I look at the security system and sure enough, there looks to be four or five cops at my door. The rest was a blur and it felt like it was forever with all the noises of taking the guys down and then just silence. I was sobbing and rocking in the dark with my son in my arms, who still sat there quietly hugging me and patting my back. Soon I heard a knock on the door. He was a female officer. It took me a minute to open the door and I didn't even realize I still had Janice on the phone. The guys were arrested. They were caught with a large amount of cocaine, meth, and roofies on them. They had broken into the drug dealer's house before they broke into my house. The cops later disclosed that they had been stalking and watching me for weeks. They knew I was home all along, and I was the next victim on their list. I thank God they didn't get to me because I have no idea if I would still be here to tell this story. We actually were able to sell our house two months ago and we are moved out of state. Our new hood has a gated entrance. My house has security cameras in every room, and I have a gate around the entire property. So to the rapists, burglars terrorizing my old neighborhood, let's not ever meet again. friend's family's house we explored the very wooded areas around the house around 30 acres of land some hunters go in but no hikers only old logging trails which the original owner of the house probably created a lot of the trails are not well maintained with brush and logs over them one area my boyfriend wanted to show me was off trail i hate walking off trail i hate bushwhacking and this was in the spring, so there were ticks. He brings me to a huge boulder he calls Dragon Mountain. It's a normal boulder near a very small stream. He climbs up and helps me up. 
It was much taller than me, but by no means gargantuan. We sit on the boulder, then lie down looking up into the trees, talking. I am on the left. My boyfriend is on the right. I don't remember if we heard the crunching of leaves first or saw them first, but to our east, three adult men, all wearing black or dark navy blue from head to toe, and sunglasses, are walking toward the boulder, carrying a long black tube. All three of them are carrying it together, and none of them are talking. They are just walking, carrying this thing. My boyfriend and I are extremely still. We did not get the urge to say hello or say anything to them, like we would to normal people we encounter hiking in the woods. They are walking towards us, but we don't think they can see us, because we are lying in a sort of large divot on top of the boulder. We can hear the men walk behind where we are on the boulder. Then they are to our southwest, very close to the boulder. Then they stop completely. They do not talk or make any noise. Naturally, my boyfriend and I stay silent and still. We are looking at each other, trying to take this in. It felt like a long time that there were no talking or walking noises. The men then started walking sort of around to the left of us and the boulder, then walked off toward the northwest. They were still not talking at all, just walking through the woods, holding their black tube. We were very weirded out for a long time after this, and we got out of those woods pretty quickly in a direction away from them, opting to get to the road and follow that home instead of taking the quickest route toward the house, which was pretty much their direction. We have both racked our brains for years about this, coming up with all kinds of explanations. My boyfriend later realized that the direction they came from is from a major highway, where there's still a fence as well. We conjectured they may have been hunters, with the big black tube being a device to carry deer. But a lot of hunters live around there, and they tend to wear camouflage and orange, not all black or navy or dark colors in general. I get if they were hunting, they would likely to be quiet, but they did make a fair amount of noise with their footsteps. Why did they stop? It just didn't seem like three normal guys going through the woods. I forget about this encounter periodically, but when I suddenly remember it, I cannot explain why I felt the way I felt. Pure terror. We both felt the instinct to hide and be silent in whatever we could do to not let them know where we were. the middle of my brother's 10th birthday party, so this was around 2006, and the woods I grew up in as my backyard was Seneca Creek Park, which is also where Blair Witch supposedly took place. My brother's birthday party was a pirate theme, and I guess my mom had us given chocolate coins for treasure. I don't really remember why, but all the boys at the party, myself and my mom, walked through the woods before having cake. My youngest brother, Jesse, was six at the time told me when we got back to the house that he left his coins by the bridge in the woods. That part of the woods was where a fork came in the path. Left was the bridge leading to a walking trail, and right was deeper on the path headed near the creek. So I decided I would go and find his coins and told him to come with me. 
Oddly enough, my mom warned us not to go, but we still did, and apparently she let us. The bridge was about a five-minute walk from the bottom of our hill that was our backyard. We walked into the woods and everything was normal, just like it was when we were just up there with the group. We finally made it to the bridge and I found Jesse's coins right away. I was bent down and Jesse was behind me and I look up while grabbing the coin and there's a man in all white with a white brim hat. I thought it was a cowboy hat and then a man behind him wearing all white too but no hat. They appeared out of nowhere and I started backing up right away when I saw the first man because I felt this pure fear. He saw that I was scared and backing off and he said, I don't bite. That's when I told Jesse to run and I was screaming run and we ran home. I didn't even check to see if they were following us, but we ran all the way out of the woods and up the hill screaming because the group plus my mom were on the back deck and I knew if the men knew people were listening for us. Maybe they wouldn't chase us. We told the boys and my mom what happened and my mom said, See, I told you so. And that was it. It was so scary and they truly came out of nowhere and just appeared. My brother remembers this as vividly as I do. Has anyone else had an encounter like this in the woods? I never really knew what this all meant. But it was so unbelievably creepy. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.